Good morning. My name is Kathy Connor, and I'm so honored to be one of the pastors here at First Pres. Christmas means that God has gone to infinite lengths to come near to you. So I invite you to draw near to Him in this hour of worship. Our hope is that you will draw near to Him by going deeper in your relationship with Jesus, or that you will draw near to Him by discovering what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus, perhaps for the very first time. If you're new to First Pres, we welcome you, and we invite you to go to our website after worship and fill out a Connect card, which you can access by scanning the QR code that you see. It will take you directly to the card so that we can help you get connected into a life group, an opportunity to serve, to pray for you, and more. We also ask that you would share the service on Facebook so that others can join us in worship this morning. Right now is the perfect opportunity for those of you online to go grab some cookies or crackers, juice, water, or milk so that we can all share in communion together. Please pray with me now. Heavenly Father, you are the one that has invited us to the table. You've invited us to come as we are. Oh, and Lord, we need that kind of an invitation. Lord, we don't want to have to get dressed up, perfected. We don't want to have to get it together. We want to be able to just come and be ourselves with you, with each other, because that's what you want from us just our hearts, just as we are. Lord, thank you so much for the gift of this day. You woke us up so that we could see a day that you are creating before our very eyes. The sun is coming up and we get to be a part of it. But even as we do, we know there are some who woke up this morning so discouraged, a sense of hopelessness, helplessness, because they don't know you, Lord. They don't know that there's hope in this pandemic. They don't know that there's hope in an economic struggle. They just don't know. We pray that somehow you would awaken them to yourself. You have come near. Help them to experience you this morning and again tomorrow and the next day and the next. Lord, we also have heavy hearts as we think about people who need you in specific and special ways. We pray for Julie Atkinson and her family in the loss of her father after a year-long battle with cancer. Lord, love her family through this. We're praying for a dear friend, Laura, in California with a mass on her lung, yet unknown to her what it is but what we ask is that you cleanse her of this, that you bring her good news and heal her body. We continue to pray for the family of Denise Garcia 
as they and we grieve her loss, we especially ask that you would comfort David, Allison, Megan, and the whole family whose hearts are just broken in this sudden loss. We pray for Emily Davis's father, Witty. We pray because he's had complications since he underwent heart surgery last week. Oh God, bring it all together. Heal this man. We pray for Jackie Faircloth and others in her facility because they're in quarantine now due to a COVID outbreak and her mom and dad cannot visit her. Lord, comfort her and whisper your love into her heart. We also pray for Mike Sweeney, still rehabbing from knee replacement surgery, Lord. Heal him and encourage him. And for Neva, Neva Reed, we pray that you would heal her in and out of the hospital all week long. And finally, Lord, we ask for your grace over Alina Callahan's father, Julio, um, on a ventilator for the second time in the hospital with COVID. Please bless this man with your hand of grace. Oh God, we bring ourselves, our friends, our hearts, everything we are and everything we know about you to this moment. Help us to draw near to you because you have come near to us. Amen. Good morning. Please stand with me this morning. And for those of you that are online, we welcome you here and please worship with us.
I love your ongoing compassion and care for women who have been exploited and trafficked in the sex industry on streets not far from where we all live. Women who have no idea that they are cherished. They have no idea what it's like to be cherished. But you and I have the opportunity to make sure that they know they are treasured by their Heavenly Father as we continue to partner with the mission of Created by doing a couple of things. Let me show you now. We have the opportunity to choose two of the gifts seen on this page and certainly on our website, purchase a $10 gift card to one of these locations, write a personal note of care and love, and then wrap it all in a big box and bring it to church next Sunday or deliver it to Liz Anderson. She will also be on the sidewalk after church today. Is it on now? There we go. Good morning. My name is McLean Murphy, and I wanted to tell you all a couple of things about Christmas Eve. So the first is that we have yard signs. You'll find them when you walk outside today. We would love for you to grab one. They're free. Put it in your yard. Use it as the chance to invite people to worship with us on Christmas Eve. And the best part is you can invite your neighbors who maybe they're not ready to come into a church, but they can worship online with us because the 5 p.m. service is going to be uh, live streamed on our website, Facebook, and YouTube. So that's the first thing I wanted to tell you. The second is about our two services. So the 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. services are reservation only on our website. Our sanctuary is full, but we have an overflow room that we're creating in proximity. We are decorating proximity. We're going to simulcast the service up there. We're going to have communion and candlelight. All of this is so that we can continue to be safe and to follow all of our safety protocols. So we can't wait to worship with you on Christmas Eve. I wanted you to know on our website, there's a tab called Christmas, and everything you want to know from Christmas Eve reservations to the created gifts and other service opportunities, they're all on the website under the Christmas tab, so please check that out. And then the last thing I wanted to tell you is the latest drop down is about our Christmas Eve parking. So we're going to have a few different options. We have uh, the surface lot on the corner of Tyler Street and Marion Street. You can park there for free, hop on the Jolly Trolley, which will be festively decorated, and it'll bring you right up to the front of the church. You're also going to be able to park in our lot right here at Florida and Zach. We're going to have 28 street parking spots reserved with an orange bag. And then our last new option that we are excited to tell you about is a free round-trip Uber trip from your house to the church and then the church back to your house. That's right, free, and that's right, round-trip. So you can... <laughs> You can find that on our website is there is a voucher. You click on the link and you'll get the voucher um, and you can sign up with your Uber account. There's the instructions will be super easy. We also have instructions printed on a card that will be on the kiosks. You can grab one on your way out. To help us celebrate this even more, our children's director, Rachel Godin, did a little number for us. So I introduced to you our Uber parody to the church. And then the church, back to your house. That's right, free. And that's right, round trip.
just hear those church bells ring, ting, 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 a link too. This year we have a little of a Christmas parking snafu. Outside there's no great parking, but we're still calling you who. Come on down to First Press, but no, we can park just a few. Get on up, get on up, get on up, let's go. Oh, please don't say no. You can download Uber on your phone. Get on up, get on up, get on up, it's grand. Take your wife by the hand. We're giving you round trip rides. We hope you will on that first Christmas day. So at Christmas, we celebrate the gift of giving. And I want you to know that your overflowing compassion has released overflowing blessing in countless numbers of lives, including the well over 100 men and women who are homeless that we served yesterday. 
because over a hundred of you came to serve them with the hospitality of Jesus, warm blankets, the gospel of John, the ability to write a Christmas card to a family member far away that we will mail for them and more. Overflowing blessing. So here are five ways that you can continue to bless lives with the hope of Jesus. Please stand with me. So for those of you that are here, maybe for your first time, or those that are joining us online for their first time, this Christmas season, our sermon series is called Come to the Table. And we are learning about this invitation that we have to come to the table of Christ where we get to learn all these wonderful things and feel acceptance and love. But the thing is, even though we have this invitation, so many of us will hold off because our lives aren't just aligned yet to be at the table. Sometimes we have these expectations that we put that our families need to be a certain way, our marriage needs to be a certain way, or our finances need to, to be in order for us to be good enough to be at the table or have a seat. And although we put this in our head and it's not like that at all. Another thing is that sometimes we don't come to the table because we're tired, especially during this year. It has been an exhausting season, and the thought of coming to the table, such an important place, and being and not having the energy, it just feels like we, we can't go. But the reality is, is that in Matthew 11:28, it says, "Come, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest." That verse is an invitation to come to the table, not just to experience love, but also rest and peace and solitude. So my invitation to you as we enter the presence of God and worship is to experience that peace and that rest. Let's sing together. That's in a chain that you brought with you 
those are the sidewalk prophets. That's who wrote that song. If you want to go look at it and listen to it on your own, YouTube it, whatever, however you do it, Spotify, sidewalk prophets come to the table. And we're going to, here I am. Look at this table. Look at this room. If we all should feel invited. Here's what I want to ask you just to warm it up. What are you looking forward to today? More. Lunch or dinner? I hear a couple of dinners. I'm looking forward more to dinner than to lunch, personally. You, are, By the way, I, I'm very invitational right now, but do not come to my house for dinner tonight. We are, we are having a really, really nice piece of beef, and I'm going to grill it on my egg, and I'm going to watch football because I have a brand new outdoor monitor. Oh, I'm very much looking forward to that. And while I put up my very, very tacky Clark Griswold Christmas lights all over the outside of my house. Look at this invitation here. That's what's going on in front of us. We're, what, what's happening is we're being welcomed. That's what the invitation is about. You and I are being welcomed to this unbelievable feast. You see this one set before us this morning as we observe the Lord's Supper. If you're online, Kathy reminded, and I'll remind you, Kathy said, go get yourself something that you can serve. Online folks, folks in the room, let me tell you this. Online matters, being here matters. When two or three, Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus says, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. So it's real if you're at home. It's real if you're here. Relationships is what we're about. And so let's gather here around this table and work together to understand what it means for us. We, we're thinking about three themes throughout this conversation come to the table. The three themes are compassion, reconciliation, and expansion. And what we mean by that is here at the table of Jesus we sense God's passion, God's compassion, God's love for us. And one of the things that God accomplishes, he reconciles us to himself. He reconciles us to each other. He puts all things back right again in the universe. And so compassion from God leads to love and reconciliation. And then here what's really cool is God wants us to add a bunch of leaves to this table, make it really big, inviting everyone so that all of God's people feel welcomed and are invited to the table. And those are the themes we've been kicking around. And we're connecting these three themes to Advent, this season we're in. Advent is a Latin word. It means the visit or the coming. And so we're celebrating the coming, the visit of the almighty God of the universe, Emmanuel, God with us. And Kathy's going to come now and light the two candles representing last Sunday, the first Sunday in the season of Advent, the season where we're waiting for the Messiah to come, the waiting for the Messiah to visit. And so today is day two or Sunday two of Advent. And so we have two of these four outer candles are going to be lighted for the rest of the morning. And the one in the middle is the one we light on Christmas when the Messiah arrives. So let that symbol begin to work you over. You and I are being invited. We're eager and we anticipate God making things right. And we want to make sure that that's how we understand what's going on when we're together and meeting and talking about what Jesus has done. And we, we've used a key verse to understand the meaning of Advent. And the key verse is the Gospel of John chapter 1 
And it says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So quickly getting to that last phrase, full of grace and truth, just reminding you that what the gospel of John is doing in his biography of Jesus, that's really kind of what a gospel is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we have four of them in that order, and what John is saying is he's coming with heavy philosophical, theological stuff, and he's saying the mighty God of the universe is the word. It's, it's a way for John to talk about who God is. And he says that word, the God of the universe, became a human being. Advent, a little baby. But notice that last phrase, full of grace and truth. So grace, truth, lines right up with compassion and reconciliation and expansion. Those three themes are filled with the grace and the truth of Jesus. The grace, the love. The unmerited love of God and then the truth, which is we need to be put back together again. And also, we are the people who've taken the baton and we make this table bigger because we invite people and there's a lot of room for more leaves in this table. That's the key verse that helps us to understand the meaning of Christmas and how we begin to connect to it. We want to be people who are people of grace and truth. Got to have both. Grace, truth, grace. That's how we've been treated by God. That's how we've been loved. And so with all of that kind of rumbling around inside us, let's do this. Let's ask a question, and here is the table before us. This is the first Sunday of the month, and so we have been in the practice of having what we call, you may call it communion, you may call it the Eucharist, you may call it the Lord's Supper, whatever it is that you have identified this, that's what we're doing here. And what we want to do is this this morning. We want to ask the question, when Jesus wanted to give his followers, or to say it another way, when Jesus wanted to give us a way, a way to understand what was about to happen to him, that is the crucifixion, when Jesus wanted his, us to understand what was about to happen to him, that is the crucifixion, he didn't give us a long lecture. He asked us to do something, participate in a meal. That's what Jesus did. How do you, how does he want us to understand this thing about the crucifixion? He's showing us what it means with this meal. And there are three parts of it that I want to make sure we understand. We're going we're gonna to talk about the meal as a, a Passover meal. Now Passover, hyperlink, I've said this, I'm going to say it over and over again. I'm going to say what I'm about to say until I die. You ready? The Bible, all 66 books of the Bible, a, even the weird and hard stuff, all 66 books of the Bible are a unified story that put us right at the feet of Jesus. All of it. And in the beginning of the story, when God is taking these people that we know as Israel and trying to take care of them, they ended up in slavery in Egypt. And what happens? Exodus Maybe you've heard that word. It's the second book of the Bible, Exodus. It's Greek. Of course, anything that's Greek, I love to tell you about. O-D-U-S means road. E-X means out. The road out of slavery is marked by the people with this feast called Passover. They were told to go and have a meal and mark their homes with blood. And that's God rescued them. 
in the midst of horror and evil and betrayal, God rescued the people. When I'm asking the question, what does Jesus want you and me to know about the meaning of his death? He threw a a party and had a meal. It was the Passover meal. And guess what? It's the new exodus. This is the new exodus. You and I also now have a road out. In the question, the second thing I think Jesus wants us to understand about the meal is a way out of what? See, those people in the first Passover were literally slaves and literally, physically mistreated. What do we need a road out of? Well, we, we are not physical slaves, but man, do we need help. We're broken. We're sick. We need deliverance. We need salvation. And the word that gets used a lot that people don't like because they feel judged, is the word is sin, S-I-N. It's the idea that somehow you and I are separated from God, and we need a way out of that alienation from God. And this meal is showing us how God is putting us back together with him. So that's the second thing. We, it's, it's the Passover meal that gets us also out of trouble. And the third thing I think, there's several more, but just three that, to this morning. The third thing I think Jesus is trying to say to us is look carefully at the blend of celebration and betrayal. Judas, the one who bailed on Jesus, is at this table that night. Now, won't you see, this is the sneaky, slippery thing about how much we need God to come and put us back together again. See, Judas started out on a pretty good foot. Judas betrayed Jesus. Why? Not because Judas was some kind of horribly immoral, vicious human being. Judas had a plan, and Jesus didn't do what Judas's plan was. Judas wanted to get rid of the Romans. He wanted political economic freedom, and Jesus was not going down that path. And so Jesus, Jesus, Judas betrayed Jesus, called him a fake Messiah. And the problem wasn't that Judas was some evil person. The problem was that Judas had a plan, but it just wasn't Jesus' plan. And see, that's the subtle thing about our need. We have plans, and maybe they're not bad plans. But guess what? If they're not God's plans, then they're bad plans. It's not because we're all immoral all the time, although some of us are sometimes immoral. And that's the thing about this sneaky thing about sin. It's not so much that we're so bad all the time. It's that we try to run the show. And what God is saying is, hey, I get it. I understand that you think you can run the show, but you can't. I'm in charge. It's my show. I'm calling the shots. I promise you, God says to us, you'll like it. But you got to let go. I'm running the show. And Judas couldn't do it. Out he goes. He betrays Jesus. So that's, we, we, it's a new exodus. And we really do also need deliverance, rescue, salvation. And notice this blend at the meal of celebration and betrayal that gets us ready for the triumph and the tragedy of the evil and the celebration that happens on that cross. That, if Jesus wants you and me to understand what's happening in this meal, it's those three really, really good things that are happening in there. So let's read about the meal. We're going to see in Luke's version of it, Luke chapter 22, we're going to take a look at several verses and just pull out some details about this business about the Last Supper, which is the Lord's Supper. 
Passover. So here we go. Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 30 is what we're going to read. And here comes the first chunk of it. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. The hour. This was the plan all along. I said it a few minutes ago. Judas had a different plan. And Judas started out okay, but it wasn't God's plan. The plan was for Jesus to walk right straight into his execution. This thing about Jesus being crucified, he's no victim. This is no accident. This is not resignation to some kind of thing that they couldn't do anything about. That's not what's going on at all. It was the strategy. Jesus walked straight into it on purpose. That's what's being signaled by this word hour. It's time. Game time. Let's go. And it says they reclined at table. This table really doesn't reflect it, nor do they. It really probably would have been maybe more than one table, sort of set up like almost like a horseshoe. And reclined, this, this, this word means that perhaps they were actually on cushions, leaning on their left elbow, eating with their right hand on cushions, and maybe with their feet behind them away from the table. And the other thing to understand is that the person of prominence would have been at sort of the head of the table or at the top of the horseshoe if the bottom is open. So that's where Jesus would be. The, the Da Vinci's Last Supper, it wasn't like that. Everybody wasn't sitting on one side of the table so that you could take a good picture of it. So that's, that's the way it was. It, so the, Jesus, notice he's always having fun at meals. And every time he has a meal with people, he always has incredibly important stuff to say. And oh, this meal is going to be at the top of the list. So there Jesus is with these guys. And notice he says, eat this pass. It, it says he's eagerly desired. I desire eagerly. I want, you can't see it in English, but trust me in Greek. It's repetitive. Bang, bang. I want to so much be with you. How can he possibly want to be with them in order to suffer? But again, that's the whole point of how God reconciles us. Somebody had to do something about the alienation that took place on page 3 of the Bible. When human beings said, I know you got a plan, God but I can do this without you. My plan may be a good plan, but if it's not your plan, it's not the right plan. And that's the problem that we have. So here we have Jesus needing to suffer. He, and it looks like he's eager. Why is he eager? Because his heart is full of compassion for you and for me. And he wants us to be put back together again. And he wants to expand the table to every child in the universe because every one of them is his. And so, yes, here comes the pain and the suffering, and he walks straight into it, eager, suffer. Put them together and let that be how you sort of appropriate the mystery and the magic and the beauty of what's happening here. Eager, it says. There's the words right in front of us. And then this sentence, the last sentence is, I'm not going to have this kind of meal with you again until the kingdom is... is shown up and what I think Jesus means there is there's a resurrection coming and then my program is in full sweep we look we see a few more verses here after taking the cup he gave 
thanks and said to them, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes, repeating what we have just said. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It says in verse 17, he took the cup, said, divide it among you. There's your expansion narrative. There's your expansion commission. You and I have been handed a baton. Make it bigger. Invite more people to the table. Divide this. Share it. Get it out there. Go love people really well. I tell you, I will not drink again from the cup till the kingdom comes, repeating, I think, what he means about the meaning of the resurrection. He takes the bread and says, this is my body given. So in in the first century world, this body given, you know what it means? It means I'm walking out to the front lines in a military battle and I'm going to give my life. So when folks hear him saying, I'm giving my body, they're hearing the echoes of a brave soldier who's willing, literally willing to die for his people. That's what's going on here. The next few sentences come this way. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The son of man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. In the same way, he takes the cup, new covenant, which is poured out. Again, in the first century, blood that is poured out means a violent death. So just let me back up a little bit and remind you. Eagerly have the meal, giving thanks for the bread and for the cup. Suffer. All of this is what's going on. Do you believe that our three themes are on top of this? Compassion, reconciliation. We are the beneficiaries of this mighty work of God, and therefore we become people running into our lives, into our relationships. We go back into relationships caring deeply for people because we want anybody we care about to also know that they're loved by God and to be reconciled to God. That's what we want. It's the most important thing. Judas's plan was not the most important thing, but Judas's hand is on Jesus at that table, betraying him. And so again, the blend of celebration and betrayal, Jesus saying at this meal, which we're doing in a few minutes, be ready to understand more fully what it means for me to come Advent visit in the first place because I had to get here in order to suffer, in order to set us all free. All of that going on in this meal. Woe to him. Of course, Judas later has a breakdown and takes his own life. Didn't go, it it just simply was a horrible, horrible tragedy. But the triumph of the cross and the tragedy of the betrayal all happening at the same time. The, The execution of Jesus is the most heinous evil ever committed in the history of the universe. And yet from it, the celebration that makes everything able to be right again. That's what we're blending. That's what Jesus wants to understand when we take this bread and take this cup. So on we go through the 
that what happens next is really kind of wild. They begin to question, meaning the folks there at the meal, probably his senior leadership team, we call them the disciples. They begin to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this, that is, who was going to betray him. And then look what happens next. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered the greatest. I mean, what, what are these boys thinking about? I'm serious. Jesus said to them, kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. So here's, here's what's going on. In the middle of Jesus getting people ready for what's coming next, trying to help them understand it, having them do something. Remember, do this, he said. He's telling us to do it repeatedly. Have this meal. And the eating of the meal and talking about it, that's a way for us to understand the crucifixion. And no sooner than he finishes, they start arguing about who gets at the head of the table. Remember the horseshoe? They want to know who gets up at the top near the guy. They want to be sitting next to the, the head man. They're arguing with each other. Their full humanness sort of breaks out. So don't feel bad about your humanness breaking out. Here's what we do. We, we will never get this right. We are always and regularly going to continue to fall back down. And we're going to do stupid things like hear the beauty of the power of God and then turn around the next minute and do something dumb or do something selfish or be thoughtless, be greedy, whatever. And you know what? power of the table is that let it forget it let it go because see when Jesus dies on that cross he forgot it just let it go if you made a mess go fix the mess but don't drag it around behind you it's done be a new person who starts over again reconciled with him and yes you're gonna blow it again it's done. Let it go. Say, I'm sorry. Fix what you broke. And then move on. Jesus does not need a bunch of people dragging around guilt. We are going to be terrible at expanding the table if all we're doing is preoccupied with the stuff we did that was wrong. Say, I'm sorry. Mean it. Fix the stuff you can fix and keep moving. That's what this is a power is about. He died on a cross. You do not, he does not need any help paying for your sin. Let it go. That's the power of what's happening here. So here's the last kind of interesting twist. We'll call this a reversal. Look at what happens next. You are not to be like that. That is like these kings who lorded over people and, and people fighting to be at the head table. No, that's not the way it's going to be with you. The greatest among you should be like the youngest. That is like a child. And the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? It's not the one who's at the table. The greatest one is not the one at the head spot. It's like me, Jesus is saying. Look at what I'm doing. Look at this last line. I am among you as one who serves. And you may have noticed we have kind of an ordinary paper plate or a styrofoam cup. This is not how you'd set your table if you're having a fancy banquet. But this is what the commoner gets. Over here, lovely stuff and Dina and Kathy and the folks that you know really cool stuff you got a nice little Christmassy thing here here's what you get if you're at the head of the table and here's what Jesus does he's down here he has all of this finery puts it down here paper towel I mean paper plate styrofoam cup 
Here's how he is. And he's saying to you, this is how you posture yourself. Quit fighting over who gets to sit at the top of the horseshoe. Put yourself at the end and love people that way. Why? Because that's how I loved you. That's what I did for you. I walked on purpose at the assigned hour into death and betrayed so that we could be reconciled. And look what happens, look what happens next. We get commissioned again. You are those who stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom that's coming, but it's already partially here. Sit on thrones, become judges of the 12 tribes of Israel. What, what Jesus is saying, friends, is that we just hang with him, and we've been put in charge of expanding the table. You and I have been commissioned to be people who, to on purpose, race to be the servant. Elevating people who are lowly. Loving people the way we've been loved. Serving the way we've been served. And that's what, when Jesus says, how can I teach them the meaning of my death? Let's have a meal. So I'm going to come down to the table here, remind you again, before, but just a housekeeping detail, you're going to get up, beginning with the front rows in a few minutes after I've invited you to do so. Just come, come, come in for your rows. Pace yourself so you're not too close to the people behind you. And we're, we have these self-contained little communion deals. We'll start, obviously, with bread. I will have everyone get one of these and go back to your seat, and then I'll say the words about the bread, and then we will all take the bread at the same time. I will repeat that about the, the grape juice that's in here, reminding us about the meaning of the blood. We'll all do that at the same time. When you finish, there are little bowls on the floor underneath the pews, so you don't have to worry about a mess, and you can just drop this in the little bowl. So that's how we're going to do it. Back to... What would Jesus want you and me to, to understand about the meaning of what's happening here? We have a way out, a new exodus. And he said it this way. This is my body given for you. I'm going to the front lines and I'm going to give my life for you, my people. This is my blood poured out. It's going to be a violent death. So, friends, when we eat and when we drink, we experience the compassion of God. We're reconciled to God, and we become expanders. We become people who have been loved so well that we have love to give. We're willing to engage in the great reversal, take the back seat, and elevate somebody else. Come now. Participate in the feast of the king. A signal that the new kingdom is here, that God's kingdom is here.
beginning with the bread, the body of Jesus given for us, straight from the front lines. blood of Jesus, a violent death, from tragedy to triumph. Allow me to pray for us. Gracious God, we've just heard that we've now participated in the feast, which is the kingdom which has come. You haven't finished the project, but you have sure gotten started, and we know that's true because of the resurrection, because a baby grew up and walked right straight into the mess and did the only thing that could be done, which is to deal with evil, putting death itself to death. Gracious God, all of the, your compassion breaks out and we are now reconciled to you and you immediately commission us to be people who expand the table and invite others by loving them well, loving them exactly the way we've been loved. We take the last spot and we elevate others. We make heroes out of people by loving them the way we've been loved. So gracious God, make us your people who care so much, relentlessly relational. We never stop just building normal everyday friendships with people and in those friendships, naturally, your love will flow and your words will flow. Help us, gracious God, to continue to think about what it is you said, which is do this meal. And in this meal, we see the beauty and the richness and the depth and the texture of both the, the evil, the betrayal, the tragedy, but the triumph, the celebration, the goodness. We want to be your people. We want to be restored. We're ready to go. We gather and we sing and we eat and we celebrate all in the name of this baby, this Messiah, this Emmanuel God with us who takes care of the universe and us in it. It's in his name that we've gathered, that we sing, that we pray. Amen. My friends, we're going to stand and sing, but let me invite us all to leave here feeling sent this way. Let's be people who are just filled up with love, learning to live loved, and then we become really great lovers. Let's go add a leaf or two to the table that God has put in our life. Let's sing together.